This is episode 180 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 180 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Antonio Young on the show. And Antonio is an investor who's based in the greater Toronto area, but he's actually investing in Edmonton. So this will be the second episode in three episodes where we have an Edmonton investor on the show. That's not really a surprise because Edmonton's a pretty lucrative opportunity from the looks of it. And of course, that's not advice. That's just how I see it because relative price point in Edmonton makes it appealing for a lot of people when you can just make the dollar stretch further. So Edmonton and Toronto actually had the same price for an average house. And obviously things have changed since then. Toronto has skyrocketed, but Edmonton has stayed relatively stagnant, which in my mind is what makes it such a cool opportunity. So in today's episode, Antonio digs into the weeds with what he's doing, price point, what he's recently bought and what he's expecting to refinance for. Uh, talks a little bit about his strategy in terms of raising money and also selecting neighborhoods and style of house to invest in. So it was an enlightening episode, interesting episode, and uh, I really liked digging into his philosophy philosophies and I'm confident you're going to get a lot out of this. This is one of those episodes that it works for both uh, sophisticated investors and for new newcomers to the investing game. But I always do recommend if you're interested in learning about real estate investing and you're new to it, I'd recommend going right back to the beginning of this podcast because there's been so many gold nuggets laid down and it really was geared towards people who are new to the game. With that said, before we jump into the episode, if you wouldn't mind just taking a moment and rating review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, five stars would be greatly appreciated. And then if you're on YouTube... Uh, please like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so that more people can find the show and hopefully it can help them as well. So now, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into episode 180 with Antonio Young. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Antonio Young on the podcast and after some technical difficulties, we're trying this again. So Antonio, thanks for bearing with me and thanks for being here on the show today. Yeah, well, that's technology for us. It just it never works when we actually need it to. Uh, <laughs> I've been pretty fortunate on this show. You know what? I've never had to re-record an episode. So fortunately, our our five minutes will be uh, will be the most yeah. I've had to do. That's that's awesome. I'm I'm glad you'll, you're going to remember me as a guest like that. Yeah, so I'll be the first one you ever have to record. Yeah, you're the technical difficulties guy. Um, <laughs> well, I don't want to be labeled as that guy. <laughs> All right. So, so you were mentioning to me, you're based in Scarborough, Ontario, and yep. you are uh, investing in Edmonton, which is, uh, you know, there, we've got other people who have come on this show that are, are doing the same. Um, and, you know, you were kind enough last time when you're, uh, when you're on just mentioning that uh, you enjoyed the show because we dig into the details. So I'm sure we're going to dig into to some details and get out a whole bunch of, of truth as you, you called it. And, and I, I like to think so. Um, you know, I just ask the questions that I'm interested in, right? So, um, let's, uh, let's dig into it a bit. So, uh, first off, tell me, you know, why you decided to sell off what you had here and, and go out to Edmonton. Well, the truth was, Andrew is I'm an, I'm a true investor where I will look at every single asset class from stocks, bonds, commodities. Um, I'll even look at cryptos, uh, because they follow a lot of bigger investors like Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, Howard Marks. And I read and binge everything that they write. Uh, so for me, my style is more so of value investing. And so when I had looked into real estate four and a half years ago, uh, and I bought my first place in Cambridge, Kitchener, and those things made a ton of sense. 
uh, because anything you picked up, it just cash flowed. If it was a duplex or it was a, even better if it was a triplex. Now it was just kind of crazy because uh, I believe when Austin uh, started like the, the rise event, there were three people there um, and I was one of them. And we're just sipping on beers and things. But the last Rise event, there was, I bet you there was over 100 people. And I was really, really scared uh, about that because I saw this in so many events, especially in Ontario. Because what happens was, what I thought is, you don't really need that much people in real estate to actually drive up an actual market. So... In the example of Andrew, I know you invest in Hamilton. If I were to ask you how many duplexes or triplexes on the market right now are actually viable? You know what? Actually, uh, although I, I host the Greater Hamilton REI meetup, I've never invested in Hamilton uh, in something I've actually ended up buying. I've wholesaled a couple. But yeah. to your point, I mean, a lot of the stuff that you're going to see on the market won't make sense at surface value. The cash flow won't make sense or the numbers. And that's my interpretation of it. So if that's what you're asking, then that would be my response. Yeah. So there's likely less than five properties in Hamilton in the market right now that actually even cash flows on the MLS. And I wouldn't even say cash flows, but this was probably a couple of years ago when it actually cash flowed. But now you have even if you have 10 or 20 people in that market, they're all looking for that one property. Yeah. So that's an interesting perspective. You know, I've never heard anyone really talk about that with a sincere worry um, about how many people they're competing with. But I've thought that too. And I know some real estate investors are very hesitant to share yeah. their story because they don't want a whole bunch of people to just jump on and do what they're doing. And yeah. I've actually even thought about that with, you know, side tangent with what I'm doing in Cape Coral. I'm like, I share what I'm doing. I'm like, how much is too much? I mean, I'm, I'm not really holding anything back. I share it all. But, uh, you know, it's I, I've tried not to have that mindset. But it's interesting that you're saying that because, you know, I, I think it's a valid comment. So what do you do with that? Tell me about it. Yeah. So for me, that was just worry. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, I'm very transparent. I'll share anything with you. And if I don't want to share something, I'll let you know. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah. And so for there is just like, I was really worried and I was just like, things are overvalued um, by every metric that I'm looking for in Ontario. And we're seeing all these articles that say, hey, we're overvalued. Uh, so I, for me, I was like, okay, I've made some good money from this um, because there's just been crazy appreciation. And I feel like I got in at one of the best times. So I've been incredibly lucky for there. So I said, okay, let me start taking some chips off the table. And so I started that two years ago when I started selling some properties. And then two years, I sold some. One year, I sold sold some. And then the last property that we actually had, or the last property I was trying to sell in Ontario, was actually, we were in the really hot market in, I believe, early March and end of February. Uh, but no one actually wanted this property because it was actually um, built in the 1800s. Okay. So we're like, wow, we, 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 it made ton of sense for us as investors because there's three units, but no one wants it because they're just scared of its age. Um, and so what happened, ended up happening was we just left it on the market and eventually a builder came on 
and actually, I'd say, bailed us out on that property. Um, so they, they how so they were going to tear it down. They're going to tear it down and build yeah. uh, something beautiful there. Yeah. So did you notice, like, you were looking? I will say this: like the inventory for say uh, bungalow flips. I think that those in large part were pushed up because a whole bunch of people were all thinking the same thing. Like all these podcasts talk about it. Everybody's going out there looking for the thousand to eleven hundred square foot bungalow that they can add a basement suite to. Right? It, yeah. it does let the cat out of the bag. And I said this when I was talking about Welland way back. And now, then we saw Welland really, really pick up steam, not t- giving myself credit, but I definitely think that talking about these things drives people to those areas and makes them, you know, buy stuff and it's a supply and demand game. Yeah. So yeah. it makes total sense. If you see stuff that fundamentally doesn't make sense, that's why I always say fundamentals. It's all about fundamentals. Like don't buy unless you have the fundamentals, um, you know, because market values will go up and down, but you need to be able to, you know, weather that storm. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I saw market fundamentals that, um, then I started looking at other cities and uh, outside of Ontario. I even looked in over in the States where I know uh, you're over in that area. And so I wanted to stay in Canada. So I said, Hey, what provinces still make sense? Um, what provinces do I not have to worry about tenant risk? And this was very quickly came to New Brunswick and I believe Manitoba and Alberta. Mm-hmm. And so then I said, okay, I'm going to dig really deep into the cities, look at Ontario cities, and I'm going to look at cities in these different markets and see what really makes sense. Um, so for me, I've always prided myself as an investor. And so for me, I put together a sheet on Excel. I took all the rain stats and anything that I could find on articles um, I put around 30 stats and I put 30 cities together and I just pinned all of the stats together to figure out which one of these make sense fundamentally the most. And I stumbled across Edmonton and that's when I said, okay, I got to start buying here and start selling in Ontario. What stats were you comparing? I was comparing a ton of things where it was just like, what's their population growth? What's their vacancy? What's their rent? What's their household income? And where What's, was Edmonton winning? Like what, what fact or what metrics were they winning on? They were winning. So what I saw was initially what drew, drew me to Edmonton was if I told you Edmonton and Toronto was at the same price at one point, median house, uh, hold, medium house price, would you believe me? I would have a hard time believing you. Okay, well, in 2008, that was actually the case. Edmonton and Toronto had the exact same uh, house prices. So what happened... Toronto proper. Yep. Okay. So what happened was Toronto went up three times since then. And Edmonton has gone up only really stagnant. And there's good reasons for that um, because of oil and gas. Uh, but I saw, I said, Hey, this is incredibly under market value right now. Yeah. And I, I definitely like the idea of Edmonton. I mean, I don't like the idea of living there in the cold, but I do like the idea of, of being an investor of, of that property because, um, yeah, relative price point for the rest of Canada, it's, it's pretty cheap for a pretty big city. Like it's a big city with good infrastructure. 
and uh you know still a value buy and here i go talking about this now everybody's gonna go to edmonton <laughs> no well, we've already I, been talking about it. i just had mark on the show he was yeah. talking about what he's doing and uh, we'll dig into you know what you're getting at in edmonton yeah. but uh you know i really like bag. mark mark is a great guy uh yeah. just very truth oriented and data uh driven as well yeah he knows his stuff and and he uh, puts his money where his mouth is so that's uh, yeah. the good characteristic to have and guests on this show and real estate investors and, and such. So that's Mark Loeffler for anyone who's wondering. And that'll be like, I think two episodes prior to this one, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, good guy to check out. I'm just hoping you release all these episodes before I buy some more in Edmonton. Before or after? <laughs> before, before I buy or after I buy. All yeah. The yeah. <laughs> Don't let the cat out of the bag yet. So, yeah. um, as far as what you're seeing happening in the market right now in Edmonton, what are you seeing? So for when I was out there, I actually, I actually flew to Edmonton twice. One last year in July, and I wanted to test the concept because no one was out in Edmonton at that time yet. Uh, so I flew out there in July and I spent a week there and I bought a duplex. Mm -hmm. And then what happened was I flew out there again in March, early March, and I came back at the end of April uh, because my situation was still work from home. So I saw this as an opportunity for me to actually mm -hmm. live there. Okay. And for your point, I was like, I would never live in Edmonton. <laughs> there is nothing to do there. A little too cold. Yeah. I, I'm sure you can find something to do, but it's cold. It's close to the mountains. Yeah. Well, no, I guess you're three hours from the mountains there, aren't you? Yeah, there's, there's not much. Uh, and I was talking to the locals and stuff because what I wanted to do was I wanted to immerse myself in that environment. And I wanted to know what the locals thought. I wanted to know what uh, the Uber drivers thought. I wanted to know what real estate investors thought and everyone there. And so what happened there was Calgary was actually booming. Uh, so prices were actually going up crazy amounts over there. And then also that started to trickle into Edmonton. And when I was out there every week, the market would be a little bit different. And I had so many people because I was documenting my journey on Instagram, just reach out to me and say, Hey, Antonio, can we jump on a call for Edmonton? Can we jump on a call for Edmonton? I took those conversations and I just shared information with them. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had some people that actually competed with me, but I'm, I, I said, that's okay. I'm, I'm well ahead of them because I've been researching this market for like one and a half years yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense and i i'm that's my thought process generally speaking like i just i don't really worry about that like if i talk about what i'm doing in cape coral the odds of somebody having laid down all the groundwork that i've laid down and, and really becoming a serious threat to me i mean is, is relatively low um you know I, i've generally had the more the merrier mentality and maybe that's bitten me but you know i'd rather have that philosophy so i'm not going to worry yeah. about it too too much um what's uh let's break down some stuff well, first off where like say for your duplex where did you buy like whereabouts in the city i bought in so if we're listing things where i usually buy my criteria is uh one of the criterias is i look at neighborhoods so I'll mm -hmm. rank them from A to D. So A is new builds. Uh, B is a tier lower than that. C is, okay, it's it's like they're, they're still on government support um, and there's variations there. And D is just danger zone. 
So I tend to stay out of the D's and I'm okay with the C's that are gentrifying to B's and I'm okay Okay. with holding B's. Okay. So you don't ever go after A's, the new builds? No. Okay. Or actually I bought a new build. Right. Okay. Or the newest property I've ever bought because all my properties were in the early 1900s. So this one was in 2013. Uh, so I considered that as a new build because it's the newest property I've ever bought. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's pretty, pretty close to the new build. Um, yeah, I mean, it was very popular out there and I know I've, I've met quite a few people that, um, are involved in new construction, like suited houses. That's, that's very popular out there. Um, from what I hear, it's, it's very easy to turn the, you know, turn the taps on, so to speak, and turn new construction back on out there. Um, which is a little bit of a market volatility factor, I would think, is that it is quite easy to build in Edmonton, so I'm told. Um, and obviously, there's lots of land surrounding the city. Would you have a similar take with regards to that? Absolutely. Uh, one of the scariest part of Edmonton and one of the scariest part of Alberta investing there is they can build an unlimited amount. Um, so they can always just keep building outwards. Yeah, you're not like there's nothing blocking the city from just continuing to expand, right? You just have flat yeah. land all, all around. Yeah. Yeah. So they just have to provide municipal services out the, out those ways, unless they're going to allow people to be on well and septic, which maybe they will. Yeah. Definitely possible. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's obviously one of the risks. I mean, of course you have the same challenges with, with supply chain and, and getting labor though out there, or is it a little easier to get labor out there? It's, what I find is like, it just depends on who you get as laborers. Like you can always find people as laborers, but they're going to do a shit job. Okay. So they're maybe not, not the type you wanted. Yeah. Okay. So what I do is I just go, I just talk to people and I talk to contractors and realtors and different things. And I say, who's the contractor that you use? Okay. And then once they tell me who their contractor is, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm like vetting them. I walk through some of their projects and I yeah. say, okay, let, let me go into some of your projects. I see what the finishes and things are like. Um, they give me a list of 10 of their projects. I go like, okay, I want to see this one, this one, and this one. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's great to know that they have projects going on, but I want to know how they, each one of those yeah. projects are doing. That's smart. Going to site is really smart. I, uh, yeah. The painter I still work with, I wouldn't hire him because he didn't have any referrals unless he took me out onto his site of one of the places he was working at. And he was just, you know, new construction build and a new, new subdivision. I went right over there and I'm like, Oh, Hey, you missed the spot. Yeah. <laughs> just pointed it out. <laughs> you yeah, helped one of the investors. Yeah. It's just funny that, uh, you know, that that's a very valuable way. And, and then you can find out if people are BSing you, right? Like they could, they could lie and say they have jobs, they have references. They could, they could pay a friend to say, yeah, you yeah. know, could you provide a reference for me? But uh, yeah. if you go and meet them on the site, that's a little harder to pull off without being authentic. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Um, do you mind walking me through one of the recent purchases and, and what the numbers look like? Yeah, I could walk you through the most recent purchase. Okay. Yeah. So tell me what it was. This one was, well, we're going to call it a duplex, but they're not called duplexes over there. It's just what they call it over there is they call it, hey, this is a house with a basement suite or something like that, but we'll call it up and down duplex. Okay. Uh, So I'll call it an up and down duplex for the purposes of more viewers in Ontario. 
so this one was, I saw it in the market and it was listed for $350,000. Yeah. And this was in a, probably a B to B plus neighborhood. All right. I saw, I was saying, what the hell is going on? There's Mm -hmm. no duplex that's ever sold under 400, um, no matter what uh, neighborhood you're in, with the exception of the D neighborhoods. You want to stay the hell away from those ones. Okay. So I said, okay, these guys are using Ontario's strategy. They're listing low, and then they're going to, it's going to go off the charts. So this one, I actually partnered with one of my uh, friends that I was actually guiding through in real estate. Mm Mm-hmm. So I told him, I was like, Hey, look, uh, just throw in an offer for like, if it's three fifty, throw in an offer for three seventy. uh, see what they bite interest rates are going up. People are not going to take action. That was mm-hmm. the day in April when interest rates went up. So okay. there was 20 viewings on this place, but no one threw in a serious offer. Um, and gotcha. when he threw in the offer for his realtor, the realtor said, I'm not putting this in like they're going to they're they're going to laugh at us. He says, "Listen, here's my logic. This is the day of the interest rate. It went up 50 basis points. People are going to be scared. They're not going to take action." Or and then for us, we were like, we ran the numbers so much, we we're like, we don't care if things go up 3%. This thing is still going to make sense. We'll buy it at 370 all day. Okay. So they get back to us the night of no serious offers except for ours. They accept our offer and we're like, dude, what the hell is wrong with this place? Must be their like foundation damage or anything. We got the inspectors to go in there. Nothing. Beautiful. So we close on the property. Was it, was it a conditional offer? Yes. Okay. So in Edmonton, you could still have conditions. Um, Perfect. Yeah. All right. So then you got in, um, it's nice that it turned out well for you. So what, what did it need in terms of renovations? It needed, so the basement was newly renovated. Um, So the basement was two bedrooms. The top was three bedrooms. Mm -hmm. Um, The top, all it needs is just fresh paint. That's all it needed. And this is Uh, a purpose-built duplex or this this unit was put in after the fact? So that one, I don't know. I believe it was, it could be either one um, because it was built in the 1980s. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so just paint upstairs, then downstairs. What are you looking at? Uh, so originally what was happening was the upper was actually rented to students and it was rented for about 1800. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't like students because they're more tricky to deal with. So we just had a conversation and we we're like, Hey guys, can you guys move? Uh, and they moved. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, um, so we're planning to rent that up for 1600 and then we're probably renting the, the basement, which is a really nice finish, uh, for 1300s. Okay. So 2,900 in rent. That's not, that's not bad at all. Um, now as far as like, are you budgeting like 20 grand for rentals or not even? We don't need to renovate anything in the place. So you could just do nothing like you, or like, like a couple hundred bucks for just a couple odds and ends. Exactly. So we can call it like 500 bucks or something. So for all intents and purposes, you're basically in for 350 plus closing costs. Yeah. I also like to put it a slush fund of at least uh, 5,000 bucks just in case sure. something goes on. Of course. Yeah. So it's nice to just have that, that budget there. 
um, yeah, I feel the same. There's there's always going to be something. Okay, yeah. so you're going to get 2900 and rent. So I guess you're not going to be refinancing this. So is your investor just putting in the money and you guys are just leaving it in? So for this one is actually we can refinance it because the comps in the area are actually around uh, 440. 440. Really? Yeah. So you could just go right back and tell the appraiser, I'm not sure what happened. It was the day of the hike and people are just lost their minds. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm waiting for this thing to fall apart. It hasn't yet. So we're still wondering what's wrong with this place. Okay. Well, hey, that's awesome. So what do you figure you're going to be in for um, for a vacancy allowance? Like will you budget 5% vacancy or even more? So uh, Edmonton's vacancy right now is about 8%. Okay. And so that's dropping because oil and gas is in the field, but I want to be conservative. Okay. And what would your property taxes be on that place? Oh, like is it actually 4,000? This one, I won't know off the top of my head, uh, but I would budget for 3,000. Okay. Yeah. We'll just get ballpark insurance on something like that. Are you like going to be like 1800 a year or something about like 2K. that? About 2K. I feel like insurance been going up. Oh, it's been going up like crazy. But some people get these crazy deals. Um, it's not an apples to apples game because some people do lesser coverage. And I just like to get, you know, get your take. So yeah. maintenance, what what are you budgeting for maintenance? Maintenance is I, I budget 5%. Okay. And anything for utilities or the tenants paying it? Uh, the tenants will be paying for utilities. So everything's separately metered across these. So what I'm pla- they're not separately metered. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to get the main tenant to pay for it. And then yeah. I'm going to get the bottom tenant to reimburse about 175 bucks a month. Man, you're going to have to tell me how that works out. <laughs> that's uh, that's a tricky one, getting tenants yeah. to do that kind of thing. But I'm, I'm very curious how that works out. Okay, so what about management? Management is we're getting a deal. Usually it's 10%. We're getting 7% because we just have a lot of properties they're managing for us. And that includes leasing fee? Like when they have leasing. to re- release? Leasing fee would be about 350 bucks for every time they lease. Yeah. All right. So we'll just call it 8% uh, building an allowance for the leasing fee. Uh, Yeah. Landscaping or snow removal. Are you doing that or is it all the tenants? The tenants will be doing that. That's good. And it's a little hard to do that with a duplex, is it not? Or can you just section it up? Like, do they have separate driveways or is it the same driveway? Uh, Same driveway. I just tell the main, main unit. I'm like, listen. You guys are a family. Usually they're a family. Yeah. You take care of this place. Um, yeah. Because I did that with my duplex in Kitchener. And I wrote down, um, hey, you guys are responsible for snow removal and lawn maintenance. Yeah. And these two were, my two tenants were doctors. Yeah. High integrity people, right? Mm-hmm. And then we agreed on it through a Zoom call because... When they think I walk them through the entire contract and I tell them, hey, this is what you're responsible for so that they know. Yeah. And because these doctors are so incredibly smart, they're probably on Reddit and articles all the time. So they, they tell me like three months afterwards, they're like, hey, Antonio, it's on the landlord to do this. And I say, no, but that's not what we agreed on. They're like, well, these are the tenant laws. Now you have to hire someone. And I was just like, Wow. Okay. Like there's nothing I can do about that. But so here's why I love Edmonton is you can put it in the contract and they have to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you have a little more flex there. So just because it was the Ontario landlord laws didn't matter that you guys had an agreement. They just, they wouldn't honor it. 
Yeah. Even my best tenants like in Ontario is like they pay their rent all the time, but they're so privileged mm-hmm. that they will go to me and say like, Hey, Antonio, my light bulb's gone. Hey, look, mm-hmm. this screw is loose. I'm like, okay, well buy the light bulb and I'll reimburse you for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think light bulbs are wearable. So I think even on Ontario, they should be replacing their, their uh, own light bulbs. I could be mistaken about that. I, I don't hear from my students. I would always get the call for the light bulb. From the families, I don't, which is yeah. nice. Families yeah. are much more quiet, generally. Yeah. For me, I usually rent to more of young professionals. Yeah. So for them, it's just like they don't really know how to do things yet. So they're yeah. just like, oh, okay, well, I just call my landlord. Because yeah, they still have the same mindset. Yeah, it's yeah. a funny, funny mentality that people have. Yeah, I, yeah. I've definitely witnessed it. Um, okay, so... So they're going to go ahead and do the landscaping. We're not going to worry about that. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I mean, I have, uh, my duplex sectioned up in a way like, I'm like, this is the lawn that you cut. This is the lawn. The other one cuts. And, uh, I don't have any issue with that. So you're saying that that technically like it's the landlord's responsibility in Ontario, in Ontario. Yeah. Yes. So unless it's a single family home, it's the landlord. Well, I don't know if it was with lawn maintenance, but it, it was absolutely true for snow removal. Yeah, I've heard something about this for snow removal. I've heard that like people would have to bill it back as a separate contract. So yeah. you have a separate contract with them for snow removal, and then yeah. you can do it. Yes, I've heard of something like this. So yeah, if your tenant wants to press you for it, that wouldn't be cool. Not yeah. cool at all. All right, so uh, for a miscellaneous budget, I'm going to put 500 bucks in there, and you figure your new value, you told me it was for... 40 440 yep. okay 440 let's let's see what that works out to be so that works out to be a five percent cap rate if you did refinance for that whole amount actually hang on a second here so you're going to do about an 80 percent mortgage is that right yep okay and a 30-year amortization and current maybe a four percent budget for interest rate or do you think you'll do a bit better we're we're getting about when we got pegged for the interest rate, we did variable, but we got about 2.25. Right. I'll just put three because, you know, that'll that'll yeah. vary, um, unfortunately, with the way things are going. So in terms of your net investment, it looks like you'd be somewhere around 3000 bucks, something like that. If, 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 in fact, they do give you, you know, the appraised value that you think that you're going to get the 440. And, um, you know, if you do 80%, that's 352 when you bought for 350, but we had a slush of 5,000. So cash flow would be about three, 350 as well. So that's actually uh, very reasonable for something you have, well, hypothetically, no money into. Mm. Those are the deals I love the most. No money in yeah. them. They're hard to find, but when yeah. they come, I'm smiling all the time. Okay. So um, obviously, no, no, no cash in is the name of the game. Uh, yep. How confident are you that you're going to get that appraisal, that appraised value? Um, the appraised value is, we're probably 80% confidence. We're 100% confidence that we can get it at uh, 430. Oh, okay. So so it's pretty concrete that this is going to work. Yeah. Okay. So you'll just go right back and uh, approach one of the banks you're working with out there and just refinance it. Yeah. When do you close or when did you close? Uh, this one is my, my partner is actually running for most of this. And then I'm just like guiding him through it. It was kind of like, he was stuck in real estate and he was asking me for advice. So I was like, okay, well, here's a property. It's a really great property. 
go and see if I wanted to see if he'll, he'll go and pull the trigger. He flew to Edmonton, looked at the property, did all the work. I guided him through it. Uh, his first per- property was actually a fourplex. Then this next one I sent over to him and he bought this one as well. So I was like, okay, okay this is awesome. Um, because for me, it was just like, I, what I lacked was time, uh, right. nothing else. So I, I told him, Hey, I don't have time, but I'm willing to put up half the money. You put up half the money. You do the work. I'll guide you through it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you have, you have an interesting circumstance on this, uh, because you're working full time and you're not in Edmonton. So you're not going to be able to be able to be the runaround. Um, so, but just real quick, is this like something that's closing soon, like in the next week or two, or is this something that's already closed? You already own it. So it pro- it closed last week. Last week. Okay. So yes. are you already in the process of trying to refinance or are you going to wait until it's rented? We are not. Cause, um, what happened was we kicked the students out. So we're going to, yeah. yeah, it looks nicer with the lease agreements in there. For sure. Yeah. They'll want to, we want to paint the place, make it look nicer, like okay. get better rents. Um, right. So that's we, where that $5,000 will, yeah. uh, will come in. Okay. So you're going to be working on, uh, on that refinance after you get it re-rented. That makes sense. That's the way I would do it as well. Um, so this is just conventional financing. You've financed it with the bank, uh, to purchase, and then we'll go back and refinance it with the bank as well. Yeah. Okay. We, we, even there is like, we're not using a Barda lender. I'm using, um, someone from RBC. And okay. so we're getting the lending from there. Um, so our guys can, RBC can do it all around, even if the mortgage specialist is in Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's actually, um, handy, right? If you already have the connection here, you're still in Canada. So you use the same team. Yeah. Um, so that's actually uh, really ideal. Okay. And what area of, uh, of Edmonton is this in the one you just did? This one is in Summerlea. How do you spell that? Uh, S U M M E R L E A. Okay. Summerlea Edmonton. Just looking this up. So just West of downtown basically. Uh, so this one would be, well, actually quite West. It's more like Southwest. Yeah, yeah, a little bit south of downtown and, and quite west. So yeah. if memory serves, not too far from West Edmonton Mall over there. So West Edmonton Mall, if you're too close, yeah. then there's trouble over there. There's trouble but, over there? Yeah. Okay. Summer, summer, Leah, that specific neighborhood, if you go west-south enough, it becomes a yeah. very nice family-oriented neighborhood. Okay. So... If you actually go onto the street, most of the things in our area are really yeah. nice new builds. Interesting, because I'm looking at it in Summerlea. That's where West Ed is. <laughs> just yeah. pulled it up. Okay, so you're just not right up next to it, but you're in that that uh, neighborhood. Yeah, it, it will it will different from, yeah. and you know this, Andrew. It's like one street could be mm-hmm. terrible, but the next street down could be like, for some reason, not yeah. terrible. Yeah. Uh, and I know that very well. Yeah. That you want to pick on, I mean, obviously you don't want to be in a bad neighborhood, but if you got to be in a neighborhood, that's not fantastic, get down to the micro of the different streets and find the ones that look, you know, good. The houses are taken care of, things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, people who've invested in Hamilton know this, right? Because, you know, one, one area to the next, like it's such an area in transition, especially East Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got to keep your eyes, your eyes yeah. out there. Well, in our, our street that we actually bought in was, we probably bought the worst property in that mm-hmm. street. So the thing was, our comps were showing 490. Um, so there wasn't a duplex that sold under 490. 
Our oh, place wow. was the only place that it sold for 370. They have no idea what happened there. Um, but like the, if you go around the neighborhood, there's like these nice homes in like, I don't know, a nice part of Hamilton or, or thing. Yeah. Really nice home, like family oriented home, double garages, yeah. you know, those suburb builds. Yeah. And then there's just this one like crappy little home, which is ours. Um, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll still love it to death, but we'll, we'll call it what it is. Um, and it's just like this blue home, which is so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And I, I misspoke before you said 370 was your purchase. I had 350 in there. So you yeah. would have a net investment of 23,000, still very good. Uh, very handsome return at, uh, 84%. Uh, so that's, that's not bad at all, actually. And I have a land transfer amount in there, which you wouldn't have. So your return would be even better. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's solid numbers. Um, is that your go-to bread and butter? That's what you're looking for, duplexes in Edmonton? Or are you getting into other stuff as well? So for me, it was actually, I wanted to do 10 plus plexes uh, in Edmonton. And so that's the re uh, reason that I actually flew there for two months. And so I was looking at a crap ton of 10 or 20 plexes. Mm -hmm. And we had raised about, $1.5 million in committed capital. Mm -hmm. And so we were ready to deploy on any one of these multifamilies that came up. It was just like, when I analyzed these things, I was like, none of these actually make any sense in my head. Okay. And so I was just running around going like, so confused where I was just like, and we have a multifamily coach. Alfonso is actually our coach um, for multifamily. Um, uh, what's his last name? Alfonso Quadra. Okay. Yeah. I, he's got, he's coming on the podcast actually pretty soon. Yeah. He really got good guy. He'll, he'll, he'll show you, he'll say his famous quote, Alfonso loves you, which he does. <laughs> All right. Looking yeah. To it. And so, so you couldn't make sense of him. Why? I mean, Mark was just on here singing the praises of Edmonton. He, uh, he loves it. Buying in his, uh, what is he saying? C neighborhoods going up to a B transitioning. Mark has a very different uh, strategy. I feel like uh, Mark is buying these buildings that just have a ton of work. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just, there's so much work in these buildings and so much capital that's required in these buildings. It was, it just didn't fit our criteria. Okay. So you're not looking for the big work projects. We weren't. Uh, okay. We were just looking for uh, something that was just, you know, something quick and easy where we can turn over these units um, slowly and then do some minor renovations. What Mark is doing is he's doing like, he's renovating all his units or most of them. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a plan to renovate all of them. Yeah. And I walk through some of Mark's buildings and these tenants are just crazy. Like it's nothing I've ever seen in my life anymore. And props to Mark for doing it. But um, like, it, it seems like nothing phases him. He's done it so many times. He's just like, okay, cookie cutter, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way of describing him. Um, definitely nothing phases him would be a good, good describing. <laughs> yeah. But when I walk, when I walk through those, I'm like, that's not my investment thesis. Yeah. I don't want to be dealing with that. Um, and I have a business partner. Um, her name is uh, Kathy Lay. And we were talking about that. It's like, do we want to do a Mark Loeffler style play here? And our answer was no, because 
we both work full time and we mm-hmm. still enjoy our jobs. So we're actually yeah. continuing to grow our careers. Yeah. And just uh, recap, because I know we got cut off um, where you, uh, you don't have to share where you work, but if you want to, uh, I know you're working full time in the, the GTA, correct? Yeah. So for me is I work uh, for my career was I started in private equity at Ontario's teacher's pension plan. Yeah. And I was an intern there, but I was really proud of that because I worked at their most prestigious um, department where their returns were very similar to Warren Buffett's return for the last uh, 30 years. And so I'm a big follower of Warren Buffett. So I was just like, I'm incredible just to, I was doing like PowerPoint slides and Excel sheets, like nothing interesting, but it was just understanding the mindset that these investors go through. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is incredible. I'm like absorbing all of this information. And then after that, I, I decided I was like, okay, I got, when I graduated from school, I actually had um, a, a couple of offers and I picked um, RBC Ventures, which is the venture capital arm of RBC. And so for there is they acquire startups and then they also build their own startups um, in the bank. And That's so, so interesting. Yeah. I had no idea that even existed, but I had somebody contact me from that. I'm very surprised. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So for, for the me, it was, I was specifically on the home space, which was what I loved. Um, so we were looking at prop tech startups. Um, the things where prop tech uh, related would be like one that everyone knows would probably be how Sigma. Okay. Um, so these were the prop tech startups that we were c- competing and, and looking at. And then afterwards it was just like, I eventually, uh, from the strategy and investment arm, eventually transitioned over to a startup called Ojo Homes, and I'll be transitioning there ne- next week. Okay. And Ojo, Ojo Homes is, they're big in the US, um, and we're just growing out more of the Canadian division. Okay. Is that still under RBC Ventures, or is that yes. independent of that? Oh, yeah. Still, still under that umbrella. Yeah. yeah. Okay, very cool. So you're a very busy guy um, in the entrepreneurial space on the corporate side, which is uh, also unique. Tell me about building teams in Edmonton when you're here and how often are you out there? You know, give me the, uh, the Coles Notes version of your approach and why it's worked, what you've done and why it's worked. Yeah, well, I'll give you an example of uh, building teams and stuff because this is like some, a learning point for me where, Edra, I used to do everything myself. So I used to do uh, my own gener- GCing, my own property management. Um, I got my own realtor li- license. I even did my own taxes just because I'm like, I'm so proud that I can do all of these things. Um, and obviously those was just like, I did everything at like 25% of what a professional can do it. So I was yeah. just half-assing everything. Um, but I'm like, oh, okay, I can do these. So then afterwards, I was just like, I joined Corey McKinnon's program and he shared the book with who not how with me. And that was so incredible because I was like, okay, I don't need to know how to do everything myself. I just need to find the right person. Yeah. So what I did was if I can invest in Kitchener and even London, Ontario, um, and I'm only seeing my properties probably once a month. All I do is just, I have a handyman. Um, and I have a home inspector just, just checks my property, um, every three or four months. Then I, I say, well, that doesn't take me too much work. Yeah. And so 
when I went over to Edmonton, I said, I can apply the same system, All I, yeah. but even better because now I have a property manager. Well, if you're, if you're paying a property, a property management company, it makes things so much easier, right? Yeah. I like that the handyman uh, approach, like I want to have my own management, but then I'll hire the people that will be my feet on the ground, right? Rather than pay a fat, flat fee because a lot of months, nothing's yeah. going on at my property. Why pay yeah. management? Like there's nothing happening. I'm just collecting rent. Yeah. You know, occasionally I want somebody to go out. So that's the harder part. And I think that this might be something for you that down the road, Maybe as you get more and more, you, you hire your own in-house handyman. And then yeah. that's sort of the catalyst that allows you to say, well, now I have somebody who is always working for me anyway. They'll keep an eye on my stuff for them or for me. And and that kind of would allow you to in-house some of that if you really wanted to. But yeah. I don't know if that's if that's what you want to do. I mean, it's certainly nothing you need to do, right? Because you have the who, not how, right? You've got the uh, the management company. Um, for me in the past, it's just been, I, I don't mind having a handyman and then, you know, somebody who can open doors. That's a good combo too. Yeah. Well, that's the biggest expense or one of the biggest expenses, property management, mm -hmm. because if someone's taking 10 or 8% of your property every month, a lot, that's a big cost. So what Kathy and I are doing is for our business, we're going to get a virtual assistant Yeah. Uh, because our strategy there is Antonio's busy. Kathy's busy. Yeah. Um, but what we're lacking is time. Mm -hmm. But if we hire two VAs to replace Antonio and Kathy, we no longer lack time. We lack yeah. vision and strategy. Yeah. And so for us, it's just like once we hire that VA, um, see you later, property managers. I hope no property yeah. manager is looking for that. <laughs> uh, hear, hearing <laughs> this. Listening, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, like that could be the, the goal now and maybe that doesn't happen, right? Like, or maybe you change your mind, right? There's a lot, a lot could happen, but I, I'm a big fan of the idea of, of in-housing everything. I want the people to work for me because yeah. then they don't leave. They don't, they're not working on other things. They're working for me. If I give them a task, I know that they can take it because they work for me. Uh, yeah. Whereas if somebody's, you know, general or a subcontractor, they can just go to another job site or do another thing. And, and you don't know if you can always rely on them. So yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome strategy. Highly recommend the VA. Um, I mean, it's hit and miss, but I, I've had it work out really well for, for me uh, so far. And um, it's definitely something that can free up your time, especially if you get uh, a real winner in, in terms of somebody who's who's just on it. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, all right. So tell me what's next. Like, what's your next big plan? Is it still going after duplex, triplex, or do you have another you know vision to grow? I know you said you're not doing the tenplexes. Is this your bread and butter? Have you found the strategy that you're going to continue to work with? Well, for me, Andrew, is I'm, I'm not loyal to real estate. As I told you, I'm, a, I'm an investor at heart. So mm -hmm. I go to where the returns go. And even though real estate has outperformed the market or, or most of the time in Canadian real estate for the last 30 years, it's not, it doesn't mean that it's going to outperform for the next 30 years. Yeah. So for me, I'm always looking for opportunities. Mm -hmm. And right now with interest rates going up, there's a lot of opportunities everywhere. Um, um, and so for me, it's also is Kathy and I, we've reached, um, financial independence, um, multiple times just because we, we don't spend that much money. Right. Um, so the next thing is really just, we want to continue growing our careers and we want to just do cool shit. Now what yeah. that cool shit is, is just, that's still to be declared. Yeah. Uh, but right now we're just building, um, our business partnership very strong with, okay, what do we want for ourselves? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, how is that business going to help us with our goals on what we want to do? Um, the next thing that the th- next thing I know that I want to do for sh- certain is I want to create a community and a fund for immigrants um, because immigrants had it really hard because I feel like if they immigrate over to Canada um, for my parents, certainly they're playing the game in hard mode. Um, yeah. So Andrew, imagine like paying for your utility bills, right? Now imagine paying those bills in Latin. Yeah. Like utility bills are in Latin, but now do that for all of your tasks ever in your whole life now. Yeah. How do you do that? That's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what my parents have done. And for them, it's just like they still don't speak a lick of English. Um, My mom's a waitress. My dad's a chef. Um, So I just want to help these immigrants that are such hard workers um, and just produce a lot of value to understand the language. Okay, if they need funds, we can give a 0% interest um, rate loan fund to them. And then all they need to do is just contribute back to the community with their knowledge and then also return that fund. Interesting. Yeah. So just pay it back. And then it sounds like you've got a pretty ambitious goal with that there. Yeah. Um, And it's nice that, you know, you're kind of just thinking beyond yourself at this point, you've already kind of achieved what you need to achieve. And now it's just doing, uh, doing something for, for others as well. So that's pretty cool. Tell me uh, where do people, uh, where do people reach you if they want to find find out more about what you do, follow you? Yeah, I'm on um, I'm on Instagram mostly, uh, and then so my Instagram handle is just a and then the word young and then money underscore. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So I think you've already sent that to me. I'll put that in the show notes. And um, is there anything else that uh, we haven't talked about that you wished I'd asked you about? Um, it was just, uh, uh, my investment strategy and how I'm getting funding. Sure. Yeah. So my investment strategy is I always am looking for things that produce over 15%, uh, return, uh, the burst strategy, um, trumps that. And the burst strategy is able to trump returns that are even greater than Warren Buffett and some of the greatest investors in the world. The reason for that is because we're competing against Joe Schmo and not against um, billion-dollar institutions that have um, lawyers and engineers that can appraise anything. So people that have teams of investment bankers, and then they also have teams of the smartest people in the world appraising the company, so they know exactly how much it costs. Uh, so I really like the, the burst strategy. Um, how I'm raising funds is actually uh, from immigrants. It's from these people that don't speak a lick of English. They've worked uh, very, very hard in their careers. They have capital locked into their home and they have savings in their account. So what they're actually doing is they're putting, when I'm talking to them, they're putting it into their GICs and mutual funds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and that's all they know. And I'm like, there's an easy arbitrage in this where I just, Hey, I'm going to lend your money. GICs are giving you 2%. Sure. I'll give you 3%. And then you lend that over to me and I'm just going to invest it in the S and P 500 
or I'm going to invest it into my burst and I'm going to make an yeah. arbitrage from that. Oh, it's amazing if you can pull that off. Yeah. Uh, 3%. That's a good, that's a good rate to get. On well, I've been months. getting those rates. That's amazing. Okay. So you've got yeah. your niche. How, how are you, uh, you finding these people? Well, for, for me, it's just like, I saw like, uh, my competitive advantage because all my uncles, all my aunts, all my, um, family, um, for me is I'm an incredibly trustworthy person in my family where they're like, if anything, if shit hits the fan, we can always trust Antonio with our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I became that person for my family from a very young age. And then now it's just like, Hey, they are very transparent with me with their finances because they see what I'm doing in real estate. So yeah. what I tell them is I say, Hey, look, you're making 2% on this GIC. I'll give you 3%. They say, no, yeah. I give you 4%. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They, they say, no, I'll be like, okay, we can split the return 50, 50. And then they go like, absolutely. Right. Because what are they doing at that point? If they trust me and they're, I'm getting them a higher return, then yeah. it's a no brainer. Now, the next piece is they have friends. So when I tell them that I'm making them 10 or 15% or much more every year and they tell their friends, their friends now come to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, too. Like if, you know, I'll have people that are lending to me and they'll talk about it at, you know, Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. And then all of a sudden I have a new, a new lender. Oh, we heard that you were (laughs) paying our friend this much. Uh, You know, we'd like to get involved. Like that kind of conversation is super valuable in the investor world and word spreads, right? When you, you know, you do good business and, you know, you pay people back and you pay them a good return. uh, People talk about it. So that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, it's been an interesting chat and uh, so people know where to reach you. Any final words of wisdom before we uh, sign off here? Uh, my philosophy is always uh, treat people right, don't be an asshole and get crazy results. <laughs> well said. Okay, nothing more to add to that. Okay, Antonio, uh, great connecting with you. You have a good day, buddy. Yeah, you too. Talk soon. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one.